that once you are in Christ, uh, He'll never leave us, never forsake us. And uh, just a great, great joy knowing that He is ours and we are His. Take your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 5, if you will. Mark chapter 5, I wanted to say thank you publicly uh, for those who prayed for us this past week. Uh, We uh, left last Sunday in a flurry and got to the airport and flew to Florida. And we were in Florida this past week, got back last night after a pastor's conference and uh, just a great time. We try and do the same conference every single year, Michelle and I, and uh, for a lot of reasons. Number one, the fellowship of other like-minded believers, pastors. It's a very small group of pastors that come, and so about a hundred of pastors and their wives. and uh, So it's just a great time of fellowship to reconnect, uh, but it's also a great reminder that there are other people doing exactly what we're doing And God is blessing not just here, but other places. You say, Pastor, what are they doing there that God is blessing? Some of the exact same things that we're doing here. And isn't it amazing that we don't have to be in Fishersville, Virginia, for the Lord to show up? He shows up everywhere. Uh, because he is everywhere. And so we're just excited to get to do it. And uh, several things that were said, I'm sitting writing notes as fast as I can and uh, thinking, you know, we're already doing this. This is good. And hearing hearing other people that are saying, man, I, I tried this thing called Next Steps and, and we're doing small groups at our church. Man, it's just been awesome. And I'm like, and I'm checking the box of things that we're already doing and God is blessing other places as well as here. So uh, thank you, for church, for the opportunity to get away and uh, it's always awesome to spend time with just Miss Michelle. And so it's always awesome. So we appreciate that. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, today, today is Sunday, October the 8th. Today, October the 8th, is the anniversary of our very first date. Today, uh, 21 years ago. I'm still glad that she still says yes. Uh, that's a blessing. Uh, but uh, I appreciate uh, her willingness uh, to meet me at Steak and Shake that night. And uh, she was not convinced, by the way, uh, after that meet. I was. She took a lot more convincing and a lot more coffee and a lot more uh, get-togethers and uh, you know, just showering of gifts and all those different things. Uh, but I'm, I'm still glad she said yes. So Mark chapter 5 uh, this morning. Uh, have you ever asked the Lord to do something and you're still waiting you ever ask the Lord maybe to answer a prayer for you or do something special for you and he still has not said yes? That's where we find ourselves in Mark chapter number 5 where someone has prayed and acted and prayed and acted for years and nothing has ever happened. It's, nothing has gotten better, only worse. Now we see two individuals here who are desperate Desperate, And that's what I want to talk about this morning, that desperation. When we get to that moment of desperation, and maybe you've prayed like I have, and you've prayed and asked the Lord, expecting Him to do something, and your situation doesn't get better, but rather it gets worse. Maybe you start feeling like, what's the use? Why would I even try? Uh, what, uh, might as well just throw in the towel and give up. Imagine Jairus, who we see in Mark chapter 5, Uh, who runs to the Lord, desperate for the Lord to intervene on his behalf, and he gets interrupted by somebody else who has a need, and it's almost like the feeling that this lady's need is more important than his need. Have you ever sat in a service and you're sitting there trying to keep your composure? 
when you hear God blessing other people and you're sitting over here just kind of waiting? Uh, there's a great song. Uh, I challenge you to YouTube it, listen to it. It's called Miracle or Not. Miracle or Not. Bethany Barnard sings it. And uh, Miracle or Not. And I'm going to keep praising you, Miracle or Not. Now, all these times that we pray and say, all right, Lord, and I see God blessing other people and I'm still sitting over here waiting and I'm challenged that I'm going to love you and praise you and thank you, miracle or not. And that's where we see Jairus and this woman here in Mark chapter number 5. And what do you do when there isn't anything else to do? And that's where we see Mark chapter 5 verse 21 is where we pick up. The Bible says, and when Jesus was passed over again by ship unto the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. And Jesus went with him. Much people thronged him. Much people followed him, excuse me, and thronged him. Jairus got exactly what he wanted, but Jairus is getting ready to encounter what he didn't want. No interruptions. Hey, my daughter is at the point of dying, and he gets Jesus to respond in his favor, but we're getting ready to see a giant pause in Jairus' life. And maybe that's where you are. You have a giant pause in your life. I've asked, I've prayed, I've believed, but you're still waiting. I hope that throughout the text today we can see that God's timing is always better than our timing. It's not, it very rarely lines up, but God's timing is always better than our timing. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for your word. and Thank you for this story in Mark chapter 5, how you came through and you answered prayer. Uh, Lord, but at times throughout this story, it's uh, interruption and pause and uh, stopping and Lord, it just seems so deflating when we're caused to watch someone else get their miracle while hope slips away for ours. Lord, help us to trust you, miracle or not. Help us to believe that you are capable and able, even though we might not see it in the now. Help us to trust you for the future. Lord, we love you and thank you so much for who you are. Please speak to our hearts. Please cleanse me of any unconfessed sin in my heart and life. Forgive me. Help me to be clean as I preach your word to your people. And Lord, please give us each individually and collectively what we need to hear from you today. And if there's someone here today that is waiting, Lord, please show them the reason that they're waiting. And Lord, help them to their faith to be strengthened while they wait. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're writing notes, I want you to write down number one, the worry of the teacher. The worry of the teacher. Jesus and the disciples had been on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Remember, they started in Mark chapter number five, started going across from the west, and then they go over to the east. The storm that they encountered that Jesus purposely allowed them to go through together, fell asleep on the boat, and as they get in the middle of the storm, they wake Jesus. Don't you even care? Remember that? And then he wakes up, peace be still. They're amazed at what they've just witnessed, believing who he is, believing what he's capable of. And then he rebukes them. Uh, hey, why are ye so fearful? Oh, thou of little faith, rebukes them. And they step back. What manner of man? 
Remember, at the end of chapter 4, they get to chapter 5. Now they're on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. They encounter the maniac from uh, the Gadarenes. And he comes out, falls at Jesus' feet and uh, says, What are we to do with thee, thou son of the most high God, recognizing who he is? So you've got the disciples, the end of chapter 4, recognizing who he is. Then you've got the maniac who recognizes who he is at the beginning of chapter 5, comes and falls at his feet. And when we get to verse number 21 and 22, again... We see someone else who recognizes who he is. This man who is in need. Imagine the range of emotions of the people who are traveling with Jesus, those disciples. Scared, amazed, scared, amazed. And now we see in verse 21 that Jesus arrives. He arrives. Most were glad to see him leave that country, the Gadarenes. Remember, they prayed that he would leave. And Jesus left, honored their request. But here we see a crowd arrive. This Jesus arrives to a crowd that has been waiting on him. At verse 21, it says, much people gathered. And maybe this was some of the same crowd that we saw in Mark chapter 4, verse 36. And said, when they had sent away the multitude, the multitude. There was a bunch of people who were waiting on Jesus, watching. They could see the boat. This wasn't that far of a distance between the two shorelines. They're watching Jesus. They see a vessel coming back, and immediately they're watching, anticipating. Could it be? Could it be him? Or maybe he'll come back. And as we see that this crowd is ready to spring into action, as big as the crowd is, none of what happens after this would have happened. Had Jesus not been present. None of this would have happened if Jesus had not been in the boat. Imagine the disciples showing up on the shoreline and saying, Oh, Jesus is still eight miles away. Jesus didn't come back. They would have dissipated. They would have slid away because they were waiting on him. You know, I think sometimes we need to stop thinking that just because we have a crowd at church, just because people know where Crossroads is, just because we feel like we have a name, that that equals God's blessing. That has nothing to do with God's blessing. See, that is not why we come. We come because Jesus is here. We come because of His presence, not ours. We come because He is evident. See, a crowd is not an indicator. That's not. Remember, people showed up to watch Jesus die. People showed up to watch the martyrs be executed in Acts chapter number 5. I see, people show up for all kinds of reasons. So size is not the indicator. John chapter 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Psalm 127 and verse number 1. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. See, it's not about us, church. See, size is not an indicator of spiritual maturity. Growth is a sign of spiritual maturity. But sometimes that can't be measured by a number. Size is not an indicator. Man, there was a bunch of people at any concert venue last night hearing their favorite artist. Uh, there are a lot of people at the race this past week. There are a lot of people at football games last Sunday. That is not an indicator of spiritual maturity. Growth is a sign of spiritual maturity. And that's not always numerical. 
Sometimes the growth that takes place happens in little old me. Sometimes the growth that takes place is from within, not from without. But Jesus' presence made all the difference in what was taking place. And it's the same in your life and mine. There is no hope until Jesus shows up. Until Jesus passes by, there is no hope. But we see that Jesus arrives. Number two, we see that Jairus accepted. The fact that Jairus is in the crowd is not a big deal. All kinds of religious leaders came to see Jesus. What's all the hoopla all about? But the fact that he rushes to Jesus is a big deal. He is a synagogue officer. He is someone who is wealthy, who is notable, and he has influence. But isn't it ironic that his money and influence could not help his daughter? His daughter was dying. It's interesting to me that both of the people that Jesus encounters in this story had given all kinds of resources and money could not help them. And see in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. He didn't just secretly send him a note. He publicly fell at Jesus' feet. This is a sign of utter desperation. And I wonder if we don't see the Lord answer as many prayers as we would like because we're just not that desperate. Oh, you know, I'm going to try and figure this one out on my own, Pastor. I don't need to bother Jesus. We're not that desperate. Uh, Where's that song, I need thee every hour? Cue that song. We need him A whole lot more than he needs us. And we see in our lives that sometimes we're not receiving what we're trying to achieve because we're not as desperate as this guy is. He comes and falls at Jesus' feet. He says, I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her. Hey, you are the only option I have. And can I say, church, that's where we need to live. Lord, you are the only option I have. It doesn't matter if you're capable or skilled to take care of the problem. We need to operate like Jesus is the only option we have. He is it. D.L. Moody said, A man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months or take sufficient air in his lungs at one time to sustain life for a week. We must draw upon God's boundless store of grace from day to day as we need it. Day to day. It's a day-by-day event. We need Him every hour. He sets aside His pride. He sets aside His position, His power, all because of this need. Now let me ask you this morning, time of reflection, not ask you to answer out loud. But what are you willing to set aside for Jesus to meet your need? What are you willing to set aside? This man had no other options. He needed Jesus. Is that how you and I view our relationship with Jesus? Where we need Him. Hey, I cannot function without Him. How much do you trust Him? You know, if He told you to quit your job to go in the ministry, would you trust Him enough to do it? Uh, if, if he told you to walk across the street to talk to a neighbor who needed Jesus, would you trust him to provide the words when you knock on that door, you'll know what to say. 
Do you trust him enough? How about serving? When she said, oh man, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I could teach that class. I don't know if I could sing that song. I don't know if I could greet people. Pastor, I'm not a people person. I couldn't get up on the stage. I couldn't hand out a, a, a program. I couldn't do all that stuff. If Jesus asked you to, could you? Because for you and I to say we can't, we're limiting who he is. He wants to work through us. He wants to serve through us. It's not that there are big eyes and little U's. There are a whole bunch of little Christians who have a big God. And when we recognize that we need Him, remember what Paul said? I can do some things, a few things, all things through Christ. I can do all things. Well, Pastor, I don't know that I can't. Oh, don't worry. You can't. But he can. I can do all things through Christ. See, if you take out through Christ in Philippians chapter 4, it's very true. You can't do anything. I can do all things through football. I can do all things through my retirement. I can do all things through my skill. I can do all things through my training. You can't do that. Because there are some things that you and I just cannot do but through Christ. Through Christ. That's why I love that song, Yet Not I but through Christ in me. It's not us, church. It's Him. And this man operated that way. Luke 9, 23, He said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. This man had a great need, and he came to the source of all of his problems, the source of all, all the answers to his problems. He showed up. We see the worry of the teacher. Number two, we see the woman in trouble. As they moved towards Jairus' house, imagine being Jairus. Hey, I came. Jesus said yes. All these people that, he could, that could have asked Jesus to come to their house. Jesus is coming home with me. What happens? These two people that were introduced to, verse 25, this certain woman, they, they could not have been more opposite. They were totally different. This man was named and notable. This woman was nameless and a nobody. But both of them came to the source. Both of them. But while they came, the man got there first. But Jesus dealt with the woman first. And we see her health in verse 25. The woman suffered from chronic bleeding 12 years, had an issue of blood 12 years, suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she had and was nothing better but rather grew worse. This woman has nothing. She has spent all of her money, all of her resources, just trying to get better. Somehow, some way, she found out about Jesus. We don't know. But her health made her do unthinkable things. Isn't it amazing how desperate we get when, hey, the doctor has said it's cancer? Isn't that amazing that all of a sudden we become super dependent on the Lord? When I have no other option, when I heard that bad C word... When my family member got that diagnosis, when that doctor come in the room and said, I'm sorry, there's nothing else we can do, we're all of a sudden desperate for the Lord. Oh, pastor, help me, pray for me. Why can't we pray now? Why aren't we desperate now? Because we need him now just like we'll need him then. Desperate, her health. Leviticus chapter 15 tells us that she couldn't be around anyone. 
She was ceremonially unclean. She could not touch anyone, let anyone touch her for seven days. But she's lived this way for 12 years. Imagine the ridicule of her friends or family. Couldn't be around people. In contrast, the last past 12 years, her gyrus had been great. I've got this little girl. She's the light of my life. And she's everything to us. 12 years of agony for the woman. 12 years of fun and pleasure and living it up for Jairus. And maybe that's you. Maybe everything in your life is going great. Hey, I can promise you this. You're going to have a need at some point in your life. And the only answer is Jesus. Maybe you're on the opposite end of the spectrum like this woman. and Pastor, I've done everything. I've heard the doctors. I've, I, no hope, no hope, no hope. Can I tell you, you need Jesus. He is the answer. So, Pastor, is he going to heal me? Maybe, maybe not. Well, Pastor, if he's not going to give me what I need, then why do I need him? I would challenge you and encourage you, don't look at your need as the only thing that you need. Don't look at what you think is your need. Because remember, this woman had a physical need, but Jesus is getting ready to address a bigger need than her physical need. that she doesn't even realize she has yet. We see her health mentioned. Uh, you know, Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden light. I think sometimes we think about that yoke of oxen being those two strong animals. But culturally, that's not how they did it. They would connect a strong ox with a weak ox. And even though they were two pulling together, that weak ox is not bearing the load. That strong ox is the one bearing the load. That weak ox is not able to bear that load on its own. It has to have the more dominant, stronger force in its life to bear that load. And that's the picture that Jesus is painting for the people. He's saying, hey, I'm the strong one. Come unto me. Hey, he's the meek and lowly one. What, what meekness? What's the definition of meekness biblically? Strength under control. Jesus is that strong ox. And he says, hey, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. How is his yoke easy and his burden light? Because he's the one bearing all the weight. Oh, pastor, I can't handle all this on my own. Have you given it to Jesus? No, Jesus is too busy. He's busy helping all these other people. Hey, he has already told us to come to him. He's already told us. Her health. Jesus knows that you can't carry the heavy load because you weren't designed to and he doesn't expect you to. He says, come unto me. Her health, her hope in verse 27 through 29. When she heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. She had no hope in doctors. She had no other options. But she had heard about a physician. Think about all the times she had heard about this new fangled process, this new fangled gimmick, this new drug, this new medication, this new doctor. But when she heard about Jesus, hey, there was something different. Uh, there was a new medication on the market that day. One that she had never tried before. When she heard of Jesus, for she said, if I can just touch, hey, I don't, don't lose this. If I can just touch him. If I can just get to him. Hey, church, don't miss that. 
If I can just get to him. Hey, there was, there was some effort on her part. You notice that? She had to navigate through the press. She, there were people in the crowd, no doubt, that said, Hey, unclean, unclean, talking about her. Isn't it ironic that sometimes people speak out against us and we shy back? That's, that's not this woman. You know what she was showing? Desperation. Desperation. Hey, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how anybody responds. I don't care how anybody treats me. I have got to get to him. I have got to touch him. If I can just touch him, I shall be whole. What happens? And straightway, I love Mark. Mark says straightway, 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 straightway. And straightway, immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt, felt, immediately. Isn't it awesome when you come to Jesus and it's not about feeling, but there is feeling. Because he knows who we are and how we function. Hey, there is a feeling, a burden that is lifted and all of a sudden, I can breathe again. And all of a sudden, something's different. And she felt in her body that she was healed of, now here it is, of that plague. She got the immediate physical healing. And just a, a great reminder, God doesn't heal on the installment plan. It's immediate. Immediate. She was not leaving without touching Him. Wouldn't it be awesome to come to church on a Sunday morning? And rally with a group of believers that had the desperation that said, I'm not leaving until Jesus passes by and I get to touch him. What would our services be like? What would our singing be like? Hey, if Jesus passes by my seat, I'm reaching out. If Jesus walks by, you ever been in a, in a crowd, maybe like a stadium or something, and you see these sports stars run by, maybe you're right there on the, on the edge, and, and you stick your hand out, and, and you're like, hey, 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 and you call their name, you're like, hey, 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 and they look up at you, and they just keep walking. And immediately you're like, you're the dumbest person I've ever, you could have just given, just, just want a little love. Hey, aren't you glad that when you do this and say, Jesus, I just, just need to touch you, that he reaches out every single time, every time he healed her. Henry Drummond said, Christ never failed to distinguish between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is can't believe. Unbelief is won't believe. Doubt is honesty. Unbelief is obstinacy. Doubt is looking for light, but unbelief is content with darkness. Are you content with darkness today? There's a line between doubt and unbelief. See, doubt can be rectified. Unbelief can't be changed. I I just don't believe anymore. I don't. Luke 17, 6, the Lord said, If you had faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you might say to the sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root and be planted in the sea, and it shall obey you. See, a grain of a mustard seed is only a tenth of an, e- a tenth of an inch. The pastor, I don't have a lot of faith. You have just that much faith. Because Jesus quantified that faith. Quantified it. 
And I love the fact that Jesus answers immediately. Remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away immediate. All things are becoming new. But the change takes place immediately. Immediately. We see her hold in verse 30 and 32. When she received immediate healing, Jesus knew that she still needed something. Verse 30, and Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, who touched my clothes? Hey, get this, the, the disciples, are you kidding me? All these people are pressing in, they're touching all of us, Jesus. How can you say who touched me? Jesus, he knew, knew, knew someone had exercised faith. Remember Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Faith is required. You might not get anything else, but I promise you, if you don't have faith, you won't get anything. You've got to first believe. So many people come into contact with Jesus, and man, they, they want to feel it all first. Like, hey, I want to feel I want to try it out. I, I want to experience Jesus. No, 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 no. You come into contact with Jesus by faith, and you get into Jesus. You encounter Jesus. You come to in Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, in Christ, he's a new creature. I want to illustrate that this morning with this sleeping bag. The sleeping bag. It says, if any man be in Christ. You know, a sleeping bag is one of those things. I have slept in this bag. Um, this is John's, and he, he let me borrow this. John was not in this bag uh, when I was sleeping in this bag, just so just full clarity, transparency. This bag is warm enough for one person. But think about some people come to Jesus like this. They want to try it out. Man, it feels warm. Feels like it would keep me warm. But so many people, when they come to Jesus and they say, man, I, I want to try Jesus. All right, I'm going to try Jesus. I'm going to try him. And here we go. I'm, I'm trying Jesus, but I'm not in Christ. There's a lot of people that come to church like this. I'm going to try Jesus. I'm going to go to church, and then I'm going to leave, and I'm going to leave Jesus at church. Think about it. I'm not in Christ. I just tried him out. Woo, good songs. Good message. Bye, Jesus. That's it. Some people say, man, I, I want to feel Jesus. I want, I want to feel him. Oh, shine, Jesus, shine. Oh, man, I felt Jesus today. But they're not in Christ. They feel. It's not, see, Jesus is not this emotional, ooey-gooey, gushy feeling. Following Jesus is a decision to be in Christ. To be in Christ. So if I'm going to make that decision, I'm going to be in Christ. Christ, I've got to make the decision, please don't let me fall. I've got to make the decision to be in Christ. And when I came on March 1st, 2000, hey, I had tried Jesus. I had grown up in church all my life, and this is going to be horrible. I had, I had tried Jesus, and man, I had even sung all the songs, and I had done all the things, and I had told people about Jesus, but I still wasn't in Christ. I wasn't in Him. I knew all kinds of things about Him, 
But I wasn't in Christ. But on March 1st, 2000, John set me up for failure. John, come help me. Thank you for helping the illustration. Because sometimes, hey, here it is. Sometimes you need somebody to lead you to Jesus. There you go. Sometimes. Hold on, I'm not done. I'm not done. Alina told me that this could be done. It is warm in this thing. Woo. Glad I put on deodorant. Y'all are glad too. The 20 degree bag. Hey, when I'm in Jesus, you can't get this experience outside the bag. You can't get this warm. I see y'all taking cell phone pictures. I see you. You cannot get this experience outside the bag. And you can't experience Jesus outside of Christ. You can't know what he's like. I'm going to try him. No. Either take him as he is, which we talked about two weeks ago, or you don't get him at all. The question is, are you in Christ? Because it is really getting warm in Christ. Hey, you experience things in Christ that you wouldn't experience outside the bag. There's a different sensation and a different feeling inside this bag right now because it's all zipped up and I'm in this bag. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Hey, you can freeze to death outside of a sleeping bag, but it's a whole lot harder to do that when you're in the sleeping bag. You've got something changing your environment, and that's what Jesus does. A relationship with Jesus, being in Christ. Hey, this morning, are you in Christ? Are you living and breathing in Christ? I'm going to breathe out of Christ for just a minute because I can't breathe right now. John, loosen this. <laughs> Thanks, sir. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. I'll put that right there. Thanks. Are you in Christ today? Is he in you? Till Christ, Galatians, till Christ be formed in you. We see her hold. And then lastly, we see her heart. Verse 30, 33 and 34. But the woman fearing and trembling, remember, Jesus points it out. Who, who touched me? Who touched me? He's looking, looking. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and behold thy plague. Now, the thing that I love about this, Jesus doesn't ask for information. He asked for confirmation. He wanted this woman to identify herself. Hey, it's me. It's me. Why? Why? Because if nobody said it was me, no one would get the joy of seeing this woman who had been healed. She could have walked away and people could have still said, unclean! But when Jesus spoke and confirms this healing, everybody knew that a change had taken place. Her heart, Matthew 6, 8 be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. You might think that you know what your biggest need is, but Jesus knows the truth. And when He said, daughter, daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Whole. 
What did she need? Her mind. I just need to touch him so I can be healed. What did she need? She needed spiritual cleansing. Greater need. What did the maniac at the beginning of Mark chapter 5 need? Did he need to be free of the demons? No, 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 no. He needed to be cleansed. Cleansed. Change needed to take place. And in our life today, change needs to take place. So what did he say? Thy faith hath made thee whole. Sozo. That word that he used for whole means to be rescued. Your faith has made you whole. It has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. And he says, go in peace and be whole of thy plague. He uses a different word. It's not the same word. He says, he uses the word hugiase, which means healthy. He addresses her physical and her spiritual need. Why? Because of her faith. Now, I'm going to stop right here for sake of time. But let me just say this. Someone once said, like a credit card, your faith must be activated before you can use it. When does our faith get activated? At the moment of salvation. That is the point in time. Oh, pastor, it's just been getting saved. I don't see what the big deal is. Everything else hinges on that one step. Oh, John gets up and talks about next steps and steps two, three, four, and five. Yeah, I'm going to get baptized and get discipled and serve and I'm going to join the church and all that. Hey, have you taken the first step? Because everything hinges on the first step. Jesus didn't just say, hey, I'm going to give you your physical healing. Go on your way. Maybe you'll find me later in life. No, no, no. Dress the first thing first. First things first. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you need him first things first. Let's talk about what Jesus did. Have I applied it to my own life? Hey, are you here today and you need healing? Are you here today and you need to take a step in following Jesus? Maybe you're here today and you say, hey, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. You're, you realize this is an amazing miracle but Jairus is still standing over here on the sideline. He's still over here waiting, 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 knowing in the back of your mind, your time's running out, your time's running out. And he's still waiting. We'll pick this up next week, but here's my thought. Think about the fact, what he's getting ready to hear. The unthinkable. But Jairus is still over here believing, believing. And maybe that's you today. You're still waiting, but while you're waiting, are you believing? Are you believing that He is going to respond? That He is going to act? That He is going to answer? If that's you, would you re-up your commitment? Lord, I'm still waiting, but I'm still trusting. I'm still waiting, but I'm still believing. I know that you're going to do what you're going to do in your timing, even if it's not my timing. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If the Lord is calling to you today and trying to show you your spiritual need this morning, would you respond to Him? Maybe your need this morning is Jesus. Maybe you don't know that if you died, you'd be on your way to heaven. Maybe your simple need is Jesus. If there's never been a time in your life where you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior, hey, Jesus lived a perfect life. 
died a sacrificial death so that you could have a home in heaven one day. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all sinned and fallen short of His holiness. See, to get into heaven one day, we have to be holy. And that is not possible in the condition that we're in right now. It's not possible. We need forgiveness. We need salvation. And the only way we get it is through Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning you say, Pastor, I, I don't know what that means. I, I've never trusted Christ as my personal Savior. I, I don't even know what that process looks like. It's simply knowing that you have a need, that you're a sinner, like the Bible says. It's knowing that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of that sin. He took your place, your punishment. By dying on the cross, He became your perfect substitute and can stand in the gap that you and I cannot do. And by trusting what He did on the cross and asking Him to apply it to your life, the Bible says that we can receive salvation. We can be forgiven. We can be saved. And maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I, I don't know what that's like. I, I, I've never done that. Or maybe it's been so long ago or maybe someone else has told you you did it, but you don't remember it. Hey, can I just challenge you? Get that settled. Maybe right there in your seat, right where you are right now, you would simply stop and pray a simple prayer and talk to Him. Telling Him that you need Him. Telling Him that you're, you know that you're a sinner. You believe that He died for you and then simply asking Him to save you. That's what salvation is. It's not a magic prayer. It is an act of faith. Just like this woman coming and saying, Hey, I just got to touch Jesus. I just got to get a hold of Him. And that's what salvation is. It's reaching out and touching Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and that is your need. Would you simply right now where you sit, if that's your need, would you simply talk to Him and just say, Hey, Lord, I, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that if I stay that way that I won't be saved. But I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. And I'm trusting you that what you've promised you will apply to my life. Please forgive me of my sin and be my Savior. And I, let me just say, if, if that is you today and you pray that, man, we would love to rejoice with you. There's a card right there in front of your seat. You could take just a moment and at the end of the service and fill that out. Man, we would love to reach out to you and show you what your next step is. Help you with that. Whatever your need is. Maybe you know Jesus is your Savior and you just you don't know what to do next. Would you simply stop in this moment right where you are and pray and ask the Lord to show you what your next step is? We would love to help you with that as well. Our personal workers are down front behind you. They would love to take the Bible and pray with you. Show you whatever that next step may be, what it might look like. The altar's open. If you want to come and pray, you can do that. You don't have to, but if you would like to, the altar's open. But let's do business with God this morning. God doesn't speak to our hearts without expecting a response from our lives. So maybe that's you today. Would you respond to what He's doing? We sang this song a few moments ago. We're going to sing it in just a minute to close out our service. Speak, O Lord. That is our prayer. We're asking Him to speak to our hearts. Maybe you're here and you need Him to speak to you. This is your opportunity to ask Him for whatever you need for Him to do it. Father, please bless as only you can. Lord, please bless our time of invitation. Help people to be serious about responding to your voice. Lord, this woman came and went through the press. She went out of her way and, 
prepared herself and got ready and knew that it was going to be difficult, but she knew if she could just touch you, that you could make everything better. And Lord, is there someone here today that is simply waiting? Or like Jairus, maybe pressing through the crowd like this woman, or even waiting on you to respond. Lord, help us to have that kind of desperate faith where if we just get to you, you can make it right. Lord, please help people to be serious and do business with you this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us, please. Pastor Tim's going to lead us in that song, Speak, O Lord. Let's stand and sing with the team. If you need to come and pray, do what God wants you to do this morning. If you need to make a decision, you need to take a step, we'd be honored to help you take that step. Do what God wants you to do this morning as we sing.